This episode of Baking Day is brought to you by Libman and Anna Olson Kitchen. We'll be hearing more from them later in the episode. Hi, I'm Anna Olson, and I'm so glad you could join me for a Baking Day. This is a podcast based on my new cookbook of the same name, which is all about sharing time in the kitchen, baking with and for your family and friends. In each episode, I connect with a special guest and we prepare a recipe together in our respective kitchens as we share baking tips, tell stories and have a few laughs. Chef Suzanne Barr is noted across North America for her comfort food style of cooking. And you may have seen her recently on Food Network's Wall of Chefs. Suzanne brings her love of cooking together with an important message of social advocacy, and she has a new book project I'm really excited to hear about. So join us in the kitchen as we prepare a gluten-free recipe of Suzanne's choosing. Let's get started. Hi, Suzanne, how are you? I'm great, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, it's finally, like, it's the holiday time, so I'm starting to get into that desire to like make some good baked goods. So this was a very, very fun one to be doing with you today. Oh, I'm so glad you could join me. And now tell me, I'm interested, what are some of the holiday baked goods you've already made? Right now, I'm, I'm really thinking about gingerbread cookies. I'm thinking about some Russian tea cookies, which are really huge that I always make. Um, I have to do a sugar cookie because my son loves them. And then I'll probably do, I, I might try this year a stolen or um, like a German iced, you know, cake kind of reminds me a bit of your, your recipe for this gingerbread cake. Well, oh, that's fantastic. You mentioned that. You know what? I don't have a recipe for stolen. I haven't developed it. And I was going to be on that same mission this holiday season is to try and actually work on a stolen recipe that I'm happy with. I've had trouble in the past. I find stolen is that um, European almond fruit bread. It's like their version of fruitcake, but it's got that marzipan piece in the center. And I always find it melts into the bread and then it's not there. So I'm determined to master stolen this year. You know, like in um, with my cultural background being Jamaican, in the West Indies, fruitcakes are huge. Like literally we're making them year round between um, the wedding cake, a black cake to a bun. Um, Easter is a very big time where we would have this, but the stolen to me is like everything that I love about having a fruitcake. And I had it once like many years ago. And so maybe we just need to jump back on another podcast and talk about this stolen that we have created together. When Baking Day continues, yeah, so I can have you come back and we'll, we'll talk about making stolen together. That'd be fantastic. But let's talk about the recipe that we're going to make right now. And you picked it from my cookbook. Which one did you pick? I picked the gingerbread cake, the gluten-free gingerbread cake. Why did you pick a gluten-free gingerbread cake? Well, I think for me, um, in the last six, seven months of being home with COVID and everything, I've been baking and cooking so much at home that I feel like there's been like a little mild sensitivity around wheat. And so because mm. of that, being a little bit more in tune with my body, I have decided to kind of just like ease up on the amount of wheat that I am intaking. And I thought since I love sweet so much and I love to make cakes, why not learn about this particular recipe? And I love the fact that you use fresh ginger in there. I'm like, 
I'm all about that. So yeah, let, let's, I can't wait to make it with you. All right, and have you eased into gluten-free baking? Do you have all the ingredients? You've been comfortable making that transition? Yeah, actually, funny enough, I uh, way back when, <laughs> before, actually becoming a full-on chef and working in the industry, I started a very small at-home bakery where we were doing exclusively vegan and gluten-free baked goods. So I have a strong wow. passion and experience and knowledge working with gluten-free flours and the xanthan, the xanthan gums, all the, all the particular items that you would need to be working with gluten-free. So I feel pretty comfortable with it. Oh, great. You know what? And we'll just keep that conversation going as we work through the recipe. Let's talk about the pans we're using. Uh, I call for a nine inch square pan in the recipe, but you're using something different, aren't you? I am using something different. So one of the things in my kitchen is I'm limited to how many things I have because even though I have a lot of pantry and a lot of cabinetry, I, I really kind of wanted to narrow down to what I, I really needed. So I'm using a bun, um, a bun pan, which is something that I love. I love yours. Okay, that's mine. Oh, nice. But I think you've brought up something very smart here, Suzanne, that you don't have to necessarily use the pan that's specified in the recipe. You have to calculate the volume. Quite often the metric has the volume. So I think using a bunt pan, especially because that one has straight sides, you'll have good luck turning the cake out because you wanna be able to kind of decorate it nicely, especially for the holidays. I think it'll end up looking like a wreath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Funny enough, like I think, for me, like whenever I'm cooking and baking, I'm always thinking about the end product and how to best serve it and present it. So, you know, I love what I love about the bunt pan is like to be able to like flip this onto a plate and then to be able to decorate the top with like a combination of like some fresh cream, maybe some, um, uh, I think I'm gonna do maybe like an, an, a, a liquidy icing with confectioner sugar, a dusting of confectioner ah. sugar. You could put some edible flowers. Like I'm really into decorating. <laughs> so I thought that this would be the best container to really be able to like talk about the decoration of this cake. Oh, fantastic. And this is what a baking day is all about, is about sharing ideas and variations and knowing that even though a baking recipe is very specific and measured and methodical, there's still tons of room for creativity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you already greased your pan so it's ready to go? I have. I jumped the gun a bit. Okay. I'm, you know, because no. I'm an avid baker myself. And I, you know, I like to be really, really prepped. And so I made sure with this bunt pan to really get the inside, that middle part, all around, all the way to the top, and then all the sides and all those little round crevices that sometimes you may forget about because I really don't want this to stick to here. I'm a little worried, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And I mean, you were smart. In, if you're not going to line your pan with parchment paper to really grease into the corners well is important. I've greased mine just lightly, but I'm going to use parchment paper and I've taken my square of parchment paper and I'm folding it into quarters and I'm just cutting a notch in so that when I open it up, I can hey. drop it right into my pan. And then those points overlap each other at the corners. Cause I want to be able to pull this one out onto a cutting board. So just like I so. I love your technique on that. You take me back to culinary school when we first learned how to properly use parchment in a container. 
And that technique that you just did, I actually have not seen. So I'm very excited to use that. <laughs> oh, cool. It saves on parchment paper and it's easier to trim, I find that way. Where did you go to cooking school? Uh, actually in New York, um, I attended the Natural Gourmet Institute. So we really focused on oh, cool. whole, whole ingredients and a vegetarian vegan diet, not exclusively, but really just trying to cook, cook with gratitude and um, intention. Wow, amazing. Yeah. I don't know that I know the school, but now I'm going to look it up. That's amazing. I went to cooking school in the States too, but uh, in Colorado. Ah, other side. A little something in common. Shall we make yeah. some cake? Yes. You've measured out your half a cup of butter already? I did, I did. All right, so you can add that to your mixing bowl. I have mine already in the bowl and I'm just going to soften it a, a bit with my spatula, just smoothing it in the bottom okay. of the bowl. So are you, so should I, do, should I use a mixing? I have my stand mixer, but I can yeah. go into, is that okay? That's perfectly fine. I like that we're doing the same recipe two ways. So now our one cup of br light brown sugar. And I suppose you could use different types of brown sugar. Like if you wanted, you talk about um, black cake, fruit cake, you could use, I guess, a muscovado or a demerara, really heavy sugar. Would that give you more of that? sort of dense, rich texture you get from that style of cake? Absolutely. Um, we tend to do, there's a technique called burning the sugar, which I, I imagine you know what that might be, but it's uh, something that we do where we actually, we are cooking the sugar down as far before it actually starts to burn, and that's to get that color. But having a darker sugar would actually probably uh, cut down some of the cook time of burning the sugar to be able to get it that much closer. And also the flavor of those two sugars, I think will also bring out so much um, added value to that cake. So you actually cook the sugar and almost burn it. Is it bitter? You don't want to get it that far, but like almost to that point. Okay. At that point, it's liquefied. Do you let it set up and then grind it or how do you use it? So you actually, you pour that into the batter as, as you're making it. So you're like tempering it in and you're really mm -hmm. using your, your <gasps> you know, this is all by hand for sure. This is definitely not using a mixer, doing it all by hand and mixing it, adding a bit more mixing and adding a bit more to really, and you'll see the color shift from like this light brown to like this dark, richer, um, almost chocolatey brown, um, like dark chocolate. And then you have all of the, the dried fruits as well. It's such a really, really wonderful technique. Um, and we use it in a few different recipes, specifically in Jamaican food. Wow, okay, so can we skip this recipe and make yours instead? I'm fascinated. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I make it so much. <laughs> oh, no, but I, I, I have never made this, so I'm just so fascinated by the idea of actually pouring liquid caramelized sugar into a mixing cake batter. It just, I, I under, it, it helps me understand the flavor better, but wow, just that method or technique. This is what a baking day is all about, comparing these notes and finding this out. Absolutely, absolutely. So Suzanne, as we're chatting, I'm just blending my brown sugar and butter together by hand. All right, I'm gonna add my molasses in now. Okay. And you've already done that, yeah? I've just added it and I'm just starting to stir it. So 
while my mixture started out looking like almost a chocolate chip cookie dough, now all of a sudden it's become more fluid and I can smell that earthiness of the molasses. It, it does have a bitter edge, a hint of acidity, but that intense sweetness and that deep rich brown color. I think my favorite part of working with molasses is that, you know, you don't, you typically don't necessarily use it all the time year round, but you find it so much in the holiday season. You find it so much when you're making like these kind of decadent, really rich, um, vibrant flavors and textured uh, cakes. And so like right now, like in the mixer, it's just getting all of that that bit of molasses left into from my jar into the mixer and I'm gonna keep going with it. But I'm so excited about making this. Here's what mine looks like. Ah, okay, that's what I'm looking for. Okay. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm moving. You're moving faster than me. <laughs> <laughs> you make this all the time. It's true, I know. This is, this is a brand new recipe for you. All right, you tell me how this is looking if I need to keep going. Okay. How's that looking? That's great. No, it's, I, it's slightly lighter. Your mixture is slightly lighter in color than mine. And I think it's because you've got the machine. So okay. you probably got a little more air in there, but I think that's going to work in your favor because that initial building of structure will help because this is gluten-free. We need everything at play to help hold the cake together. And so now I think we can add in, I'm going to add my piece of, I haven't grated my ginger. So I have my ginger to grate in and we have the one egg to add. Okay, I've got my grated ginger and I've got my egg. Oh, you did yours already? I'm telling you, I'm what, like I'm that obsessive chef that likes to be prepped and ready to go. <laughs> I don't like <laughs> I to like, be like, I'm like, go, where's everything? My mise en place is my everything. And if it, my mise en place isn't there, then I'm not happy. <laughs> well, that's good training. I just, and I just threw my whole piece of ginger into the batter. There we go, got it back. All right, so I'm gonna add my egg right, right in. Okay, and I'm just finishing grating my fresh ginger. I like the sparkle you get from fresh ginger. It's a different flavor profile than dried, which the, the heat is still there, but there's, there's a brighter heat to the fresh ginger that I love so much. And I think I probably sneak in extra. I did. I didn't say anything, but I did. <laughs> Just so you know, you're not gonna, you're not at home with me, but because I am a huge fan of ginger, I think the the intensity of it, like almost being on the cusp of like peppery, spicy, you know, for me, it's that's everything. That's everything, and how I love to express my cooking. So I did go a little extreme, <laughs> but I think it is really gonna make it. I, I think it really does set it apart. So you're gonna turn on the mixer, and I'm stirring in my egg. And all of a sudden the batter loosens up a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it's kind of, um, what I'm finding in the mixer is that it's actually separating. Like that, that egg is really having a hard time blending with the fat, with the butter, with the sugar. It almost, it needs to keep going. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it up a bit and then I'm gonna let it keep going. No, Suzanne, you're okay. Yeah? You can, you can turn the mixer off because actually you can see mixing my batter by hand, it did the exact same thing. The minute you add the egg, it does start to separate a little bit. Yes. So yours um, has separated. So there's almost a slightly grainy texture to it. And yeah. it almost looks like the molasses is pulling away 
from the batter, but that's okay. The minute we add the dry ingredients, it's gonna come back together. And the key at the end of this is when we add the boiling water. Ah, it almost kind of reminds me of like wet sand. Or like if you're at the beach and you've like been playing with the sand as like, as kids and like with my son, like, you know, you bring some water over and you're like making a mixture. And that's exactly what this is like looking like for me. <laughs> if we were working with chocolate, Suzanne, I think we'd want to do something to fix it because I'd worry the chocolate is seizing. But I have found that with the molasses and the egg, they don't like to hang out together. So it, it just happens at this point in the recipe, but once we add the dry ingredients, it will come together. So we'll give this, you give yours a little stir on low speed, I'll mix mine, and this is a perfect moment for a word from our sponsors. Embrace the mess with Libman. Time spent in the kitchen doesn't have to be hindered by spilled sugar or messy sauces, flying cake batter or cookie crumbs, or even a sink full of dirty dishes. Go ahead, embrace the mess. From countertops, cutting boards, and cookware, to backsplashes, cabinet doors, floors, and quite literally the kitchen sink, Libman's collection of premium quality brushes, sponges, mops, and brooms, designed with ergonomic features and environmentally friendly materials, help you conquer kitchen cleanup easily and waste-free. So break out the bakeware and have some fun in the kitchen. Embrace the mess and live in the moment with Libman. Available at the Home Depot and Canadian Tire. And you can learn more on Facebook at Libman Canada and on Instagram at Libman CA. Here we are back with Chef Suzanne Barr. And Suzanne, we are making my gluten-free gingerbread cake. So it's time to get into sifting the dry ingredients. Yes. You have them all measured out? I do, my mise en place is ready. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you have that Zen baking mood about you, that you are ready, you're organized, ready to attack. I am, but with a loving way. I think I see some little people arriving in my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> They'll be the recipients of this gingerbread cake. I hope you plan on sharing. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, I can, I can feel your shoulders just dropped having them walk in the room. So there's some love in there, I think. There is, there's a lot of love. Um, it's, you know, it's this whole time during COVID is, it's been, you know, it's been a lot for us as a family. We've come together. We've been, you know, really forced to like spend this much more time, but we found so many really wonderful new traditions and practices that for us, like Sunday is, you know, we listen to a little jazz, we do a little chess puzzles and we have breakfast together. And that routine for me is like something that we've never had before. So. Finding some silver linings through all of this has been like a really, really important step forward into being able to just, you know, welcome an opportunity to take, still embrace the things that I love, which is baking and cooking. That's amazing to hear and that you've taken what is a challenging situation, but finding a way to create stability and something now you look forward to. So is your goal to continue that tradition, even if we get back to whatever normal was? Absolutely. I think the most important thing that we have to do is, you know, keep on with all the work that we put in because that work is, was so necessary to get us from where we were to where we're going to be. And the excitement of like, who do we want to be on the other side of this is like every conversation that I have with my husband and everything that I have with my son as well. So it's, there's that exciting part of, we don't know where we're going to end, but we know that 
we've got some really good practices and habits that we're building up together and we're really just going to make those all just continue regardless of where we where we will be on the other side so i'm i'm, I'm just so grateful suzanne that is such a positive and inspiring message truly and it's up to us to make something positive of this and i know it is not easy for everyone some people really struggle with it but with a message like that and that example i i mean i'm going to take it as an example that's amazing yeah Cheers. good to hear really good to hear Thank i'm you. happy for you <sighs> so now we get back to baking and Let's we're going to sift this. some dry ingredients so this is where we get to talk about gluten-free baking because at the foundation of the dry ingredients is the one and a half cups of brown rice flour. And we're gonna sift that uh, with our half a cup of tapioca starch. So when, when you do gluten-free baking now, Suzanne, now that you're playing with it, do you use a pre-blend or do you custom blend your own? I use a pre-blend. <laughs> I hope you don't no, judge that's me. that's perfectly fine. <laughs> it's not at all, oh, believe me, Suzanne, it's not at all a judgment. When I'm designing recipes, I don't know who is going to be baking it, where in the country or even the world they may be baking it. So I can't speak to what gluten-free flour replacement products they may have available. So I tend to start with fundamental elements. So I rely on the brown rice flour for structure to give the, the recipe body. I use a lot of tapioca starch because it's stronger than cornstarch and it really helps hold my baking together. And then the one teaspoon of xanthan gum. And if you're celiac, if you're really allergic, you wanna make sure you're buying the gluten-free because I find it interesting and kind of ironic that some xanthan gum is not actually certified gluten-free. And that helps make the batter as we're mixing it hold together. It doesn't need heat to activate. So I find if you're trying to build volume or structure into a recipe, it's really handy to add. And that's why I've added it here. And then I, I was keen to, and I pre-measured all my spices. <laughs> did you too? I did. I've got everything here. <laughs> I've actually blended all my spices together. So they look all light brown, dark brown, a little bit of caramel, which is all of my, 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 my warm spices, the cinnamon. We've got the clove and we also have the, you know, it's, it's so beautiful to see all those spices. It gets me very excited. I know it's when you see all the little spices measured out on one plate, it does have that Christmassy feel. We've got a teaspoon and a half of cinnamon, the same of the baking powder, half a teaspoon of allspice. I love the taste of allspice and I find it pushes all the other flavors forward. We've got a quarter teaspoon of clove and the same amount of salt just to kind of balance everything out. And I'm gonna add that to the sifter. All right. And really the function of the sifting is just to combine the starch with the rice flour and also get those spices really mixed in there. All right, I am sifting away. And we've got a fancy uh, sifter there. Wait, whatever works. I mean, you can use a, a simple strainer. You know, I always find that when, I, when, I, when I'm cooking at home and then when people ask me like, what are your favorite like tools that you have? Like, what do I need to have if I'm baking at home? Mm -hmm. You know, I find that a lot, it's, it's not that I have like intense or specific tools that I love. I just have certain um, tools that I really can't live without. And I think my strainer <laughs> is one of them because I find that I'm always straining something. I'm always sifting so something or dusting something. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's in the top 
cupboard uh, of my baker's cupboard because that sifter strainer comes out all the time. And well, you as a professionally trained chef, I mean, you strain your sauces, you strain soups. There's so much more that I think the average home cook may not use it as much as you do, but yeah. you probably do out of habit without even thinking about it. Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, like I'm, I've been making, lately I've been making a lot of soups and stews and, you know, like rather than picking up like a chicken stock or a beef broth or beef stock, like I'm, I'm finding myself to like actually just do, do that labor. Like I have some really big stock, huge stock pots and I'm like, I'm just going to do this at home and I'm going to load my freezer up and I'm going to give some gifts to some family and friends that might want some too. Oh, those will be well appreciated gifts. Yeah, I plan on doing a lot of door dropping over the holidays. I'll give you my address after, so if you want to, you know. <laughs> All right, making the deliveries. It will be, I will be driving into Toronto. Okay, yes. And now I have my dry ingredients in parchment paper. I sifted onto parchment so I could lift it up and then I'm just gonna tip it right into my bowl, but you can add yours to your mixing bowl. All right. Now, when you start mixing, don't be afraid, Suzanne, when you see, when you finally mix it to the point where you no longer see the dry ingredients, that's when you wanna stop. And it's going to seem rather thick at that point, but we still have the boiling water to add. So it, it'll loosen up the batter a little bit. All right. Can I show you what I've got and you tell me? Yes, please, and I'll show looking. you. Yours is looking fabulous. It's sort of a dark brown color, but it's got a warmth to it. And then I've got the same. And the nice thing, Suzanne, about gluten-free baking is you never, ever, ever have to worry about overmixing because there is no gluten to develop. And that's what toughens up a lot of baking, but that's just not gonna happen here. That is such a good, very good point. I was like, literally, <laughs> as I turned the mixture, I was like, don't go too far, don't go too far, but Great, yeah, that's a great like friendly reminder. Not a like, problem. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fantastic. Now, this is where we need, I don't know if you're getting your hot water, if you're boiling it with a tea kettle, but it's we wanna get the hot water going. All right, I just turned my kettle on, so the water is kinda come to a boil. And I just did the same thing. I had a little bit more flour on the sides of my bowl mm -hmm. um, in the mixer. I just scraped okay. them down. I'm gonna go a little bit longer just so I can get all of that flour, that dust, making sure that the brown rice and everything gets really well uh, mixed with the, um, the molasses and brown sugar and butter. And so now I'm gonna measure, just gonna pour it over a spoon to absorb some of the heat. And then the key is to add your one teaspoon of baking soda to the water and it's gonna foam up. The water's gonna foam up right away. All right. Right into the water. I still have, I use the same measuring cup that I measured my molasses. That's why my water's brown. Oh. And it, it almost looks like cola right now and it's all frothy at the top or it looks like a hot coffee. All right, I've it foamed up just a little bit, not too much. Okay. It's kind of almost like a, a, a seltzer water that just kind of was cracked halfway open. <laughs> so a little bit of bubbles, but is it time to pour? And then we add it right away. All right. And it's up to you if you wanna mix it by hand or with the mixer. I'm gonna to switch to a whisk for this part. Okay, I've got a whisk standing by. Where did I put it? Oh, you are a prepared baker. I, 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 I just, oh yeah, I do. I do have one. And it just, this mixture looks like a hot mess right now. It is <laughs> sloppy and kind of muddy looking. 
Well, you were oh. talking about how the batter looked like sand. It looks like the tide came in. Yeah. And just knocked down a sand castle. Absolutely. It's so, it's, that's so accurate in the description of this. And then wow. once it's smooth, now, and this is what I have found really works for me, Suzanne, with this gingerbread cake method and gluten-free baking, because what now is also happening is that hot water is plumping up the brown rice flour. And you, you've probably discovered, you know, when you, you do a lot of gluten-free baking, some things can be a little gritty or grainy. This like cooks out the rice flour, so it absorbs some of that moisture. And honestly, you will never know that this was made using rice flour. It is silky and satiny and just so moist when you bite into it. I seriously am in love with that because it makes me think of like when you're cooking rice that you bloom your rice. So it's almost like it's the mm -hmm. final step of like in steaming it is like you bloom your rice or you bloom your rice before and then you kind of steam it. But I love that that's, that's kind of what the a strong role of the hot water with the brown rice flour is doing to this. How genius. And it's so much thinner now. Now it actually runs off the spatula. Yeah, let me show you mine. It's like this soupy, yeah. sandy color. It is soupy with lots of spices in it. Lots of spices. <laughs> We've got the last edition, and I would say, Suzanne, this is optional. Uh, my mom used to put raisins in her gingerbread cake, and so I like raisins in there. Are you a raisin fan or a raisin hater? I am a raisin fanatic. <laughs> okay. I'm pro raisin too. Uh, some people I know when it comes to butter tarts, it's a different discussion, but I have found that if I put in the whole raisins, they just sink to the bottom of the cake as it bakes. But if I chop them up a little bit, then they stay in place within the cake. So I'm gonna give mine a little chop. All right, Suzanne, now that I've chopped my raisins, I'll add them to the bowl. And then all we have to do is put that into our different pans and then it's amazing how long this cake takes to bake. It takes about 50 minutes and a 350 oven. So we'll use that time to take a sponsor break. We bakers have a lot in common. We love spending time in the kitchen, baking for the joy of it, and of course, sharing what we make. Part of feeling that joy is having the right tools to get beautiful results. And the Anna Olson Kitchen Collection meets all your baking needs. Over the years, I've listened to your questions about baking pans, mixing and measuring tools, and decorating tools. And with the Anna Olsen Kitchen Collection, I have you covered. Whether you're a novice baker trying muffins for the first time, or an occasional baker who's getting a little more serious about cake decorating, or maybe an expert baker who knows exactly how to make the perfect pie, well, with over 70 pieces to choose from, I've got your tools. You can visit AnnaOlson.Kitchen to check out the full collection, and you'll also find baking tips, recipes, and where to buy these quality pieces. Hi everyone, it's TJ, the OEM channel manager. Unfortunately, while we were filming this third segment of the podcast, Suzanne's microphone died, and we didn't notice because there was no one on set with her while we were recording because of COVID-19. We were able to use the audio from her camera, however, it is of a lower quality than the rest of the episode. I would love it if you were to stick around and listen to what she has to say because Suzanne says some truly incredible things in this segment, and I think you will all really appreciate them. Thank you again, and please enjoy the rest of the podcast. 
Okay, Suzanne, we're back and I have my baked and cooled gingerbread. How is yours looking? It's baked and cooled, it's beautiful. Are you happy with it? I have to give some major disclaimers. <laughs> Please do. Because I have a little one who likes to like, whenever something is baking in the house and it comes out, he's very much like, mommy, what's that, what's that? So he, we, the cake kind of fell and we put it back together, but it is solid and it's beautiful and it's perfect. I'm, I'm like excited about just talking about what's next, what we're gonna do to this. And, but you know what, that's okay. If it, it looks beautiful, it's got, it seems to have beautiful height. It's about two inches tall. It's nice and level, which is fantastic. My version in the square pan, it really fills up. Originally when I poured in the raw batter, it only filled the pan halfway, but it comes up right to the top of the pan. So it's almost two inches tall. Okay, I love how, how like, look at it coming out so easily right now. I'm very excited to see your cake. And then, so I slid mine out with the parchment and all, and now I'm peeling away the parchment. And I figure this is a good sign of a gluten-free cake when you can actually lift the cake. I'm lifting it up so I can peel the parchment off the bottom and it's staying intact. My mom used to dust her gingerbread with icing sugar on top and serve it with whipped cream. When you would eat the style of cake, Suzanne, how would you eat it? Now, my mom would never make specifically this style, but the, the version of the black cake that we talked about earlier, she would serve it with nothing, or she would serve it with a little bit of cheese. And we do that because that's our Easter version of our, our bun or um, the black cake would have uh, would have like fondant on top. And so you'd have a thick mm -hmm. layer Ooh. of icing. So I'm not gonna do it as thick <laughs> as she would do it, but I'm going to like do a looser icing. Uh, okay, like an icing sugar glaze. Yeah, like a glaze. All right, so what are you mixing up there to make your glaze while I dust here? All right, so I've got my dust, my sifted confectioner sugar, and I'm just using a little bit of water. And mm -hmm. I'm just gonna, I find that sometimes I might add too much liquid and then it gets a bit too thin, but I wanna mm -hmm. be able to see that thick icing on top of it. So I'm just gonna kind of bit by bit, maybe like a teaspoon at a time, I'm gonna add of the liquid to my confectioner sugar. Oh yeah, I see, it, it's, it's flowing off your fork. Yeah, it's flowing off the fork. It's kind of really deep, rich ivory, almost looks a little bit like glue. Yeah, but it's not runny. No, it's not, no. but it's gonna be exactly what I think it's gonna, you know, kind of improvise and double in for when my mom used to make exactly like black cake or version of this and it would be the fondant. So I'm gonna pour, is it time to pour? Pour away, yeah, do it. I've already dusted. So while you're pouring, Suzanne, tell me a little bit about this book you've been working on. You have a, a book that you've just handed in the manuscript, correct? I did, I did, I did. It's uh, It's been a real interesting process. And I say interesting because uh, I think you know, initially when I approached, um, well, actually two ways. I, you know, I had a writing partner that approached me and said, listen, we should really make a book based off of this menu that you've created at the Gladstone Hotel in Toronto. And I was intrigued by the idea and I was excited about the idea of putting a, a cookbook together, but I didn't really know the process. And so she says, why don't we do it together? 
So she had a few contacts at um, Penguin and invited um, me to like sit down and kind of like have an initial meeting. We had that and then we presented our ideas. And then out of that, we had another meeting and they were like, this is great, new Jamaican cuisine, but we want to know about you. We want to know your story. We want to hear about your life. We want to know how did you become a chef? What was your process? And that to me was like, you know, red flags went up, but there's a sense of like, wow, like, is there, there's, there's an opportunity here that I really don't want to miss out on. And I want to tell the story of like how I, how my process of how I decided to turn my life around at the age of 30 to become a cook and quit my job, my very, you know, very comfortable corporate job and went on a journey to become a cook and now a chef and, now I'm here with you baking. And so it's it's really been like, you know, two and a half years of, of finding out about learning about my mother, learning about my family, learning about my um, those moments in my life that were pivotal moments that really helped me to figure out what the story needed to be. And working with uh, having a co-writing partner with me through this whole process has been really, really, really like just humbling and also it's connected us in such a way um and my writing partner and i like it's it's like telling my story to, to someone and then us telling it together on paper wow it's amazing to hear that process my writing process has been always based on the recipes so to hear what it that it, to have to reach that deeply within yourself to share your story that takes that has to take a, a quite a, an amount of courage, I would think. It did, and you know, and, and I'm so immensely gra like gracious and, and, and grateful for every single family member, friend um, that has been with me during this process because I've had to um, miss some gatherings. I've had to, uh, you know, go back to old journals. I've gone through some really challenging emotional doors that I've shut because I just didn't, wasn't ready to talk about those certain things. And I was pulling up some like things about my family that I never knew about. So it, it was really, really like cathartic in that sense of like this coming of age of myself, but also now I'm a mother and having to like see myself through who I was at 20 to who I am now at 44. It has, it's been such a, it's been such a gift. And, and uh, you know, like the process, it's just been the process, I guess, to write a memoirs. Amazing. And now it will be shared with the world. I can't, I, Frankly, I can't wait to read it because you express yourself so well and so sensitively, Suzanne, that it just, it's going to be a book I can't wait to just dive into and get to know you better, but through the way you share your stories. And I think this is going to be something special. I'm really excited for you. Thank you. I, I mean, Anna, truly coming from you, it, it means a lot, you know, like this work, um, creating, putting your, yourself out there in recipes, in a book, you know, having people having the passion to pick up your book and read it and make these creations. It mm -hmm. is, it's, it's a lot. It, it takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot out of the team that you have behind you to help you make this come together. And, and you know, and, and, it, and it's not something that you've stopped. Like you're continuing to do it. Like, 
your books just, you know, they amaze me that they're so, you know, you're, you're on this process and you're, you just sharing with, with me about another book that you're working on. And, and that's just so encouraging because I feel like I will never write a book again, <laughs> but you have just given me this feeling of like, I can do this again. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I bet you can. Well, those original recipes now can all of a sudden be a springboard to something new. And I think, I think what we're sharing is that sense of connectivity you get when you write. It's our form of self-expression. Cooking and baking is our form of self-expression, and it's our way to share who we are. And I mean, this is what the heart of what we're do just doing right now. It's that, you know, that love of sharing a recipe that has a personal connection to who mm -hmm. you are. You know, there's yeah. something that I, I don't think I ever considered myself prior to taking this journey of writing my, my memoirs was that I was a storyteller because I didn't really understand what that meant. I meant I felt like that was more of a poet that was more of an, an actor, an actress, you know, someone that's an orator, you know, that just really is, is able to communicate and convey their ideas and to mm -hmm. be able to, to make you feel like you're part of it. And, you know, every page that thus far that we have put to paper, you know, pen to paper, it's, it's been that. And, and I, and I really express that to my writing partner that I want this to feel like you are literally in every moment with me. Like you are in the trenches when I'm in, in, in Hawaii, when I'm in culinary school, when I'm, you know, thinking about moving to Canada, opening my first opening day of my first restaurant, like all of that, I, I wanted to make, make sure that that was going to get on to, into those pages and into that book and that people felt so, so, so next to me and they were motivated to, to know that in any stage in your life, that finding your voice and finding your 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 mission and your passion it, it keeps coming it doesn't stop because you get to a certain age you just keep it just keeps happening so you know and here we are today making this amazing cake <laughs> and and finding joy and thank goodness you made the choices you did so that you could share that that message of courage and joy and connection so i can't wait I also think we need to connect to this cake a little bit. Shall we cut into our cakes? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to take a corner piece out of mine. I see my little, my, my squad in the back getting very antsy, like, oh, you get cake, but we don't. <laughs> They'll get it soon enough. There's my slice. Nice. It's so moist. Like, it, it feels like this really, oh my gosh. Like just really dense, um, like fruitcake, but bready. It's so flavorful. The ginger is the first thing that hits my hits my tongue. Oh, that's mm. fantastic! And I put a dollop mm. of whipped cream on mine because that's when it was a special occasion. My mom would do that, so I like a little bit of the cream for richness. Mmm. Mm. I'm eating with my hands. I have my fork, and I'm like, no. This is like, I'm, I need to get into this. <laughs> well, Suzanne, I have to say, it has been a sincere pleasure to get to know you over a baking day, spending this time baking together. There's just something special about building these memories and moments. And then at the end, there's cake. <laughs> <laughs> there's cake for one. <laughs> no, absolutely. I absolutely, I, I just, you know, honestly, Anna, thank you. I wasn't... 
again, like, you know, the ask of, of making a gluten-free baked dish is very scary for so many people because they're like, there's just so many ingredients, there's so many things that you need. But I think what really works so, so perfectly is like bringing in those spices, bringing in that brown rice. I mean, it, it just, it gives it so much balance and so much body. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm totally floored by this recipe and I will absolutely make this again <laughs> without a doubt. That's so great to hear, Suzanne. And on that note, I think we'll sign off. I need to share my cake with my sweetie, Michaels, who's on the other side of the camera. I think you've got your family on the other side of the camera. So it is time to share. And I really sincerely wish you a happy holiday season, Suzanne. Likewise, likewise. And I will see you again. Happy holidays and happy new year. And happy new year. We'll make stolen. Stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that was so much fun and a little festive too. I'm so glad you could join us for a baking day. And you can pick up a copy of my new cookbook at your favorite retailer online or in ebook form. What really counts is that you have your own baking days and make them special. We'll see you soon. Keep it sweet.